With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless Your Boys podcast. BlessYourBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. I'm your host, Brandon Day, and with me is my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how's it going tonight? I'm knitting a sweater. Uh, that sounds like a good thing to do. To um... first, first day of spring? Yeah, yeah. I'm knitting a sweater. Yeah, it was pretty darn nice here. Day, yeah. yeah, it's been beautiful here the last couple of days, which is not something you'll hear me say often, but... It's uh, no complaints. Yep, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure winter will come back for a little, little show me moment. But yeah, okay. seems to be pushed aside for the time being. We had a snowstorm last week, so I'm really hoping that was it. Oh yeah, yeah, we've been okay on that front. We haven't had snow in a while, but it was really cold and, and then rainy and just kind of blah for you know, a couple weeks. But we're getting there. It seems like. Um, and the Detroit Tigers are getting closer to baseball. In fact, the technically. Major League Baseball's opening day is tomorrow. It is technically in Japan, absolutely. Yeah, those games will be starting at 5.30 a.m., which um, I would love to to wake up for, but it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> what, wait, what time zone is that? Um, that's Eastern. So for, for uh, yeah, for you, what? Uh, oh, no, that's 4.30. Oh, I yeah. No, that's not going to happen. those poor Mariners fans. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're going to be... That game is going to start at like 2.30 a.m. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. And it's the Mariners versus... Oh, wait a minute. Who? The... Ah, I can't even remember. <laughs> I don't remember either. The fact that I only know the Mariners are playing. Yeah, once I realized I couldn't... I you know I saw the Ichiro clips today of him, uh, yeah, of him out there working out. So, yeah, that was on my mind. Let's see, though. Um... Where is that at? Yeah, oh yeah, the A's. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, that's right, yes. I guess it makes sense. Two West Coast oh, I, teams. I but... should know that, too. I just, because Jane Lee, who's one of the oh. A's beat reporters, just announced that this will be her last um, series, that she's just going out for Tokyo. And, of course, that should have clicked in that it was the A's. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's been doing it quite a while and doing it well. So A decade, I think. She's been on that beat for a good long time. Yeah, and she got in there young. So, um, I don't know. Good luck to her. Um, I didn't hear what she was going on to do next, but she didn't she's talented. As far as I know, but it's, whatever it is, I'm sure she'll be wonderful at it. Yeah, she's super good. So, yeah, so there is going to be baseball tomorrow morning, but Tigers baseball is still, oh, about, what, 11 days? No, not even. Like, nine days away. Nine, nine days, yeah. Which is pretty great. And, I don't know, this is the kind of, uh, this is the time of spring training where, like, the antsiness of the past couple weeks where we're like, oh, can we get to some real games and more televised games starts to turn to, like, okay, here we go. We're almost there. And then, of course, um, an entire bomb has to be dropped on the entire fan base today in the form of... Mr. Michael Fulmer, who of course has been dealing with a bad knee, um, 
all spring training coming off of his knee injury and trying to get used to that. And we don't know how related any of these things are. The Tigers have been very circumspect about, um, you know, what, yeah, kind of, yeah, about sort of the order of events here. But uh, Michael Fulmer has a tear in his UCL um, and has already seen two doctors about it, including Dr. James Andrews, who's the world's foremost orthopedic specialist on these injuries. And it sounds pretty darn certain he's going to have Tommy John surgery and miss the entire 2019 season. (sighs) And we can't have nice things anymore. No, I mean, he's going for a third opinion, but when you've got the Dr. Andrews stamp of Tommy John, you're pretty much hooped. Yeah, I mean, I know there are some conspiracy theorists out there who think that, you know, (laughs) Dr. Andrews runs some kind of, you know, elbow reconstruction. Yeah, well, I mean, he does get a cut, I'm sure, but... Yeah, but like he's really, uh, you know, really just putting these guys through an assembly line and, you know, whatever to uh, to increase his business. But um, I doubt anything so nefarious is going on. And yeah, it's it's just kind of a drag, you know. I mean, people have been trying to put some silver linings on it, you know, with like who, who might get a shot as a result. Um, that's pretty hard to do. And then we've also got the other hot take theater, which is, you know, oh, they should have traded him, you know, in 2016 or, after, or when they sold off in 2017. Which, yeah, is all fine and good to say now. Um, Hindsight's twenty twenty on that. Like, you can say that now, but no. At the time, it was a dumb move to make, and I'm glad they didn't do it. Yeah, same here. Um, I mean, you never know for sure what exactly was offered, and we did have a listener question kind of about that, um, kind of trying to figure out what, you know, what the Tigers actually turned out. And in fairness, um, some people didn't have hindsight. Some people actually thought, you know, the Tigers should do that when they were selling everyone else off because they expected it to take a long time. And that's fine. If you're one of those people, that's all well and good. But, you know, I, there's just nothing in sports I hate worse than, like, the, oh, I called this. Oh, I called that guy. Because because what about all the million things that have happened that you didn't call? You know, like, we never hear about that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just find that, like, super infuriating and just want to tell those people to pound sand for the most part. You're not here for baseball Nostradamus. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, if you can pull it off more than, you know, the one time that you decided to talk about it endlessly, that would be great. But, um, yeah, I don't see too many people pulling that off. So, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is grim because, you know, Michael Fulmer, is, he's going to go on the 60-day DL, um, but he's going to accumulate service time just like, you know, any other player. And this would have been his technically his third full season of control so hopefully he will be back next year, and the Tigers will still have three more years of control, um, and plenty of guys come back from Tommy John surgery and are fine. It does take yeah. a little time, um, but, you know, it's the knee, really, to me, that, like, the Tommy John surgery is almost standard at this point, but when you combine that with some of the knee issues, um, you know, it's just really hard to know what to expect when he comes back, but um, I wouldn't go throwing in the towel. I already see people, you know, like, basically calling it a wrap on his career and this and that. Um, yeah, oh, that's yeah, I mean, that's all way too soon. Michael Fulmer obviously works really hard. Um, he's obviously a really dedicated guy. I have no doubt that he will do everything in his power um, to do his rehab the best he can and get back as soon as he as as, as you know able to. And, you know, maybe he won't have the same heat on the fastball, um, especially right away, and we'll have to learn how to do some di- things differently. But, um, but his career is not over, so if everybody can stop, like, you know, basically planting a flag in him and calling it good. He's proven himself perfectly capable of adapting new pitches, too, so I really don't think we need to start panicking. Like, yes, it's terrible for this season, but he's going to come back and he's going to work his ass off, so. Yep. 
Exactly. And, you know, he's still got, you know, he's still got other stuff in the tank. Like, we've always kind of, you know, waited for the changeup to come back since 2016. Um, you know, if he can work that back into shape and maybe try the curveball, which is what he was talking about using more this year, um, you know, preseason, trying to trying to mix that in because he does spin it pretty well. Um, he's just never really seemed terribly comfortable throwing it. You know, there's there's options like that. And I'm sure Michael Fulmer will do whatever he can to be as good as he can. And we'll just have to wait and see how that goes. Um, but with that said, that leaves the Tigers with, and I'm not going to call this a silver lining the way I saw some people saying it, but uh, or putting it out there. But, you know, there are some opportunities now that have opened up for the farm system. And as someone who kind of feels like the Tigers have, are kind of slow playing some of their older pitching prospects. Like this actually, you know, at least gives them the opportunity to, to try these guys, force them into the major leagues um, and, and see what they can do and, and start getting a feel for whether, you know, whether it's, you know, Kyle Funkhauser and Spencer Turnbull, um, obviously this, this opens up a spot possibly for Daniel Norris. Although we don't know, we don't know what they're going to do for sure there. Um, but you know, th- there's some guys who are going to get an opportunity and that doesn't bother me so much. And you know, the season was going to be a lost cause anyway. So losing Fulmer doesn't hurt our, our odds or our chances or anything like that. Um, for all the tankers out there are probably thrilled, you know, like better, better shot of finishing last and getting the number one pick again. <laughs> uh, you know what I think it is. And I was actually thinking of this as an article idea, so we'll see. I think it's an opportunity for the Tigers to maybe try different things. Like, I'm not saying they should go open a route. They don't have the bullpen for it. And they have enough starters to really flex their muscle there. But I think it's it's an interesting opportunity for them to try different things yeah. with their pitching instead of relying maybe on an old stayed five-guy rotation. I, I don't know what to suggest otherwise. That's why I want to write about it. Yeah, I think you definitely should. Yeah, I think they should shake things up and do something different because they're not going to win the season. They're not going to win the division. I, I think if you have been given a kind of a pile of poo, uh, turn it into something unique, like the Rays did. I don't like again. I don't think they should do the same route. But the Rays lost two guys to Tommy John surgery within the span of a month, and we're down to what two starters? Yeah, and ended up the year with ninety wins just by trying something batshit crazy. So. To me, I think when you're in a bad situation, try the weirdest thing possible and see what happens. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, you know, and really, I, the reason we haven't talked about that more because there are some opportunities to do that sort of thing is just because it feels like the Tigers just aren't the team to do that. Um, and obviously, the Rays, you know, like you said, you know, they they lost those starters, and maybe if they hadn't, they they never would have seized on you know having to try something different to make it work. And so, yeah, it would definitely be nice to see the Tigers kind of take the opportunity to experiment. Um, you know, when you've got Blaine Hardy in the bullpen. You know, I feel like we've forgotten about, like, I know you and I haven't, but I feel like the Tigers have kind of forgotten about Blaine Hardy. Yeah. Who is a perfectly serviceable starter and a really great long inning guy. And then you've got somebody like Daniel Norris who could also kind of fit into that same role. Yep. And I feel like you could do something interesting with, like, a six-man rotation with, like, long middle innings kind of moves to, like, rest up your bullpen. I just, I'm going to mull this over. I feel like there's some interesting things they could do. Yeah, I would really like to see a piece kind of on how you could maybe translate some of what the Rays did to, to the Tigers. Because, you know the two starters who are kind of the oldest um, on the farm and and of the ones who, you know, we actually project to do something are, you know, Kyle Funkhauser and Spencer Turnbull. 
And all along, you know, we've kind of looked at those two guys as, as pitchers who would probably end up in the bullpen anyway because they're not the type of guys who, you know, both of them kind of have a tendency to nibble. They both have a pretty good fastball, especially Turnbull's got a pair of four-seam and two-seam fastballs that are both really good. But they don't really have the, you know, the, the high-end secondary stuff, and both of them tend to be nibblers to run their pitch counts up and to not be the type of guys that you could really even expect to be a traditional, you know, going six innings every time type starter to begin with. Um, and so, you know, you look at the Tigers bullpen as it is now, and it doesn't really look, you know, so feasible to do that kind of thing, but the Tigers have the personnel to kind of bring up and, and try to make this work. And you've got Green and Jimenez for the eighth and ninth innings when you're ahead. And beyond that, you know, you could put five, maybe six guys rather than carrying like a Ronnie Rodriguez or, you know, or whoever kind of extraneous, you know, 25th man on the bench that you're thinking about. And the Tigers are going to have to carry an extra reliever to start the season anyway because they've got so many games in a row and maybe they, they should just go that route maybe they should just kind of run with that um yeah i don't know and i'm and I'm and it's look at this. i'm interested yeah and it's you know i mean it's ron gardenhire and rick anderson um these are not guys known to be innovators in any way nor is the tigers front office um i actually got in a nice long scrap on twitter last night about this because you know the tigers have made some steps toward becoming an analytics you know savvy team but, you know, we haven't seen any results of it yet. And, I, you know, it's one thing to get all the technology in place. Um, it's another thing to start using it well. So they have a lot to prove there as well. And, you know, we've kind of talked before, you know, like, I mean, obviously Gabe Kapler wasn't a real likely candidate to come to Detroit. Uh, maybe for these very reasons, but they're in a position where this is the time they should be experimenting and trying new things because, you know, the win total doesn't matter. So hopefully they will take that under advisement. I agree. Yeah. But um, assuming they don't do that, though, because, you know, we know who we're dealing with here. Um, who, which, which pitcher do you think is most likely to get uh, Michael Fulmer's spot to start the season? Uh, I want to say Norris because, you know, I want Norris to succeed. Yeah. Um, Same here. But I think, I think Turnbull's probably more likely. I kind of think so, too. Yeah. I think... Maybe I the, feel like the Tigers just don't have the same belief in Norris as anybody else does. Like... I feel like they just want an excuse to put him in the bullpen at this point. Yeah, and it's like if you, you know, if that's what they really think and they just think, you know, he's got to be a reliever, you know, then okay, but you should do that and carve him out, a, a, you know, an actual role rather than just like, you know, yeah, we're going to put him in there with Blaine Hardy and, you know, I don't know, he's going to pitch garbage time and, you know, when we're, when we're down a lot or I don't know. I don't really know. It's weird because, yeah, I mean, they've got Blaine Hardy to do that that job already and he did it amazingly well last year. And I agree that, like, the thing is that Daniel Norris has publicly said he doesn't care what he does as long as he's there to help the team. Yeah. And you know he's the kind of guy who's just going to be like, you want me in the pen? Cool. I'll go to the pen. What do you need me to do? Yeah. How do I do this the best I can do for you? And to not give him an opportunity to, like, know the role, like, if you're going to put him in the pen, just put him in the pen. Mm -hmm. Let him develop into a really good reliever. Don't just keep going, well, maybe, maybe if you just prove it to us, we'll let you out there. Maybe you'll be a starter. Like, just pick one. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I don't know. It's hard to say, but Fulmer getting injured, I I tend to think Turnbull's going to get the first shot at the rotation. And to me, that kind of tells me that Daniel Norris is probably going to go to Toledo. Because one way or the other, with Fulmer gone, they need both Turnbull and Norris stretched out as starters. Um, they're going to need both of those guys 
to to start games at some point. And so one of them is going to have to start start in Toledo. And honestly, right now, you know, Norris is the one who's struggling and still trying to, you know, get back from all these injury issues and uh, and sort himself out. He makes the most sense. Um, you know, neither one of us likes this this particular strategy, but it, it, it's just a fact that if the Tigers, you know, keep him in the minor leagues for a month and I think, you know, like 32 days, they get a whole other year out of control of him. Um, you know, they've paid him the past two years and basically gotten you know, no value in return. And so, I don't know. It's a different situation to me, at least, than, you know, like the Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr. type situations where that guy is obviously ready to just absolutely mash and you're clearly holding him down just to steal the extra year from him. Daniel Norris, there's a pretty good argument that what he needs to do because the Tigers are going to need him to start is to go to the minor leagues and, and get that work in and stretch himself out. And so I would advise, yeah, doing that and giving Turnbull the first crack at it. And, you know, if he struggles, then you decide, you know, maybe he goes back to Toledo. Maybe he goes to the bullpen. Um, I don't know. We'll just have to see how they play it out. But I guess that's that's how I would go about it if they aren't going to do what we would really like to them to do, which is to get a little more creative and, yeah, and experiment like you like you described with um, kind of a raised type bullpenning mixture on a couple days. Yeah, I'm going to write this. Um, I, yeah. That's going to happen. Look for it on the site in the next day or two. <laughs> I love it. I love the idea. I, I might write the um, former versus Norris debate article, um, my, mainly just as penance for the fact that I was actually writing an article entitled um, the 2019 Tigers will be a lot more exciting than last year's model. <laughs> or a lot, no, a lot more fun. Not exciting, but fun than last year's model. And of course, we wake up today and Michael Fulmer uh, is gone. So yeah, that's all my, that's my fault. Feel free. Feel free to come at me on Twitter. This, this is all you. Yeah, I feel uh, I feel deep guilt. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's a drag, and that's that's kind of really all the all the news that that there's been the last couple of days. There's about a whole lot else going on um, in Tiger Town, anyway. Yeah, no, nothing. Uh, Lou Whitaker was at camp, but that was it. There wasn't much excitement out of that. Yeah. Uh, Tigers had a lot of the kids playing today, and by the kids, I don't mean, like, the good prospects. I mean, like, you know, a whole bunch of random guys who were at West Michigan and Lakeland last year who probably aren't going to be anything. So we're starting to get to that point where even the starters are stretched out, and now they're starting to back off their innings the next time out to just give them kind of a short outing before the season starts. So um, we're starting to get there. We're getting, getting ramped up for the season to start, and, you know, the intrigue as far as spring training is kind of kind of fading, and... Unfortunately, you know, for whatever reason, there haven't been hardly any games broadcast, at least not around here. Like on FSD, there's been like maybe two. No, it sucked. It's yeah. been real bad. Yeah, I don't really know what the deal is. It's like they are punishing us for wanting to watch baseball. I know. I know. We all are stoked to watch some Grapefruit League baseball and put up with seeing, you know, a whole bunch of guys who can't play in the majors yet play and nobody wants us to. It's like, fine. I have MLV TV, but, you know... A lot of those are day games anyway, and, you know, Speaking you miss those. Of, can I raise a point of real irritation? Oh, please do. I went to watch MLB TV this weekend, and I have three TVs that have Apple TVs. And they're old. They're, like, second generation or something. MLB TV no longer supports the older generation Apple TVs. Oh. So now the only way I can watch the programming that I pay for is on my Xbox One. Mmm. Mmm. Super. Yeah. Super. Yeah, that really sucks. 
yet, which means I can't actually watch it at all anywhere at my cabin. Oh, yeah. Except on your on your laptop, I guess. Yeah, that would probably be the only workaround. And if my um, my Echo will broadcast the radio, that would also be an option. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that Not could help. Yeah, but that really does kind of suck. And especially, you know, MLB has kind of been the leader as far as, like, you know, streaming technology um, among the, the four major sports. And yet they still have these, like, weird glitches, it seems like, every year where people have trouble with MLB TV or something goes out of date. Um, yeah, it's a drag because uh, MLB TV is not cheap. No, and it's even though I split the expense with somebody, it's still a lot of money to pay to not be able to watch what I paid for. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I guess to go back to the former thing a little bit, we, you know, I guess we do also have an answer now for, um, you know, why the, maybe why the Tigers have been so extra secretive this spring. Um, uh, free press writer Anthony, Anthony Fennick has been kind of like very subtly like poking them the entire spring about, you know, not being allowed in the clubhouse and how no one wants him here and just kind of joking about that. Um, but it does seem like there's there's something to that and we were kind of, you know, there's a lot of potential possibilities. There's the labor issues, because one of the pieces of news that we should probably discuss a little bit is the fact that the league and the MLBPA have decided um, basically to start renegotiating the, the collective bargaining agreement over the, you know, some of the labor strife that's gone on. And to do that before the next collective bargaining, you know, period comes up. So, I mean, that was kind of a good thing. And we heard about players like, you know, the players gathering out on the fields, you know, having to leave the clubhouse to get away from the front office personnel and have their meeting together. So they were out there for like two and a half hours or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, out there hanging out with Tony Clark, um, I I assume, talking over some of those things. So that was one reason for secrecy, maybe. The Fulmer thing might have been a reason for secrecy. And then we also have like the new kind of like creep of secrecy that's going to come from Major League Baseball's new partners in gambling, in, in legalized sports gambling, um, MGM Grand, um, or casinos and properties and the whole shebang. It's a conglomerate. But um, but yeah, you know, that we, that news kind of came out last week too, I believe, or maybe the week before, where teams now have to, you know, turn in their lineup before it can be public, 15 minutes before it can be publicly announced before the game so that, you know, the, the gambling houses can place, you know, the final lines and all that kind of thing. And uh, and you just kind of wonder, like, too, about that. You know, is, that seems like another area where teams are going to be more and more restricted in the information that they're allowed to give out to the team's actual fan base, the people who care. And that information is going to be transferred instead toward the people trying to take you for your money. <laughs> so It's so weird. Yeah, they're going to get, a, the you know, the, the, the gambling houses are going to get the first crack at all that information. And, you know, I, I just wonder, like, if this isn't going to start kind of a bit of a trend where, like, you know, StatCast data doesn't continue to develop. We don't continue to see more information like that coming out um, if that stuff becomes more uh, proprietary and held back from from the, the public and stuff. But, um, yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of just funky issues like that kind of coming up this spring. Yeah, it's a weird time to be a baseball fan. Things are very strange right now. Yeah, there's a lot of transition. Um, what did you think about, you know, the fact that the, the league and the and the union seem to be, you know, in agreement that things have to have to change as far as the, the free agent market, um, as far as how, you know, young players under their first couple of years of team control are paid, all that stuff. Um, it's a good thing, right, I, that they decided to be somewhat proactive I, about this? 
Yeah, I hope the early kind of discussion about it and the investigation that they've agreed to have, it's a way to avoid something like a strike in a couple of years when the actual CBA comes up again. Um, I also hope it leads to legitimate change that can help the players and the teams kind of reach a friendly resolution. Um, and like, I mean, they've made some changes to the game too. Like they, there's been a couple rule changes for this season and stuff that'll be implemented next season. And none of it's too major. Um, I don't know. None of it makes me angry. And I hope that like the actual early discussion about labor stuff actually does lead to some good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, in, I think it was, I don't want to quote Rob Bamford because I'm not sure it was him specifically, but the league's position basically did seem to be that they, you know, they understood that, you know, the market has tipped toward younger players and that because they're not being compensated very much because, you know, in the past they've always eventually had to be compensated in free agency and that was the arrangement and that's happening less and less, at least apart from the top tier guys the league does seem to recognize that, that there's an imbalance there that needs to be corrected. And that, that I thought was positive. Um, so yeah, it's a, at least they're taking it seriously now. I, I kind of never really thought a strike was that likely just because there's so much more money in the game, but, um, but there've been a lot of harsh words and a lot of players um, kind of publicly expressing themselves about it on social media, which is a whole new thing, of course, too. So it does seem like they, um, they have at least heard that <laughs> the commotion and are going to try to do something about it. Um, the other side of that, it's not all just like talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the fact that they're even like engaged about it um, seems like a good sign, anyway. Um, that that both sides realize that the, that there need to be some things dealt with, um, whether they will or not. We'll have to see. Um, on the other side of the playing field, in the backfields, the minor league players got a nice bump from our pal Emily Walden um, last week, who, along with, oh God. Was it? Well, it was Ken Rosenthal on the, on the one article. Yes, Ken Rosenthal wrote with her on the Jays article, but the actual minor league pay one was all her. That's right. Yep. Damn. And uh, and that was just a hell of a piece. That was like, um, you know, we like Emily. You know, we Emily used to write for the site. We talked to Emily all the time, and that was um, that was like one of the like the, the, just the best things I've ever seen from her um, or anyone really on on the subject. That might have been the best minor league hard. coverage article I've ever seen. It's arguably one of the most important pieces on minor league anything that anybody will read this year. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And we're already seeing um, kind of the, the shitstorm that it started because a lot of other people have got, gotten on the bandwagon and begun uh, and writing similar pieces, which is perfectly perfectly all well and good. But um, you could see the, the amount of time and research and the conversations that Emily had had you know, over a long, long period of time. Um, to build that article and the amount of um, the amount of faith that a lot of minor leaguers have in Emily Walden um, that she's got their back and can be trusted not to you know not to out them to um, to the league or to, to teams and you can see like the fear you know that a lot of them have where you know if they if you complain about you know the fact that you're all eating pizzas packed in you know five to a piece in a little tiny apartment for eight months training your minds out of um, you know. You don't want to take the chance of of you know any retribution from the team, especially if you're not a top prospect or a top priority for your organization. Uh, but Emily has that kind of cred with them, and um, and it really showed in, in just how deep that piece was and how how many different um, voices and opinions she was able to bring together on it. So yeah, kudos to her. And almost immediately, um, you know, the the Toronto Blue Jays came right out and said that they were you know that they were aware of the problem and and were taking it seriously and were going to pay their minor leaguers more that they were going to invest more. Yeah. 
Yeah, with more stipends for food, um, you know, better housing, the whole thing. Um, that came out, you know, like a day or two afterwards. So um, there was a lot of movement on that issue all in about two days. And uh, it was Emily Walden kicking it all off, which was awesome. So props to Emily. Mm-hmm. I mean, props to teams that are hopefully going to actually take this seriously now. But, like, this has been a big thing for her for a really long time. And I'm thrilled to see that it's actually getting results. Yep, for sure. And um, and as part of those comments that, you know, that the league made about the, the major league labor issues, um, they did actually come out and they almost never do this and, and kind of forthrightly admitted that, yeah, we know there's a problem with, with minor league pay um, and that's something that we're going to try to address too. So, you know, it's a results-oriented business on the field. Um, it's a results-oriented business off the field. And so we'll see how much follow-through there is on that kind of thing. But um, But the heat is on there. And, you know, for all the people out there who saw Mike Trout you know, earn a $430 million 12-year contract today and think like, screw the major leaguers. I don't give a damn about their labor issues. They have a union. Shut up about it. Um, the minor leaguers are not in that position at all. They have no representation. They have no clout. Um, and so that's an issue that you can, you know, that can easily be hammered home against them um, pretty forth- forcefully. So, yeah. I also think a lot of the people that do that, that say, oh, you know, you got to give a little to get a little, a lot. And like, you got to like, sacrifice to make your dreams come true you're not working an unpaid internship for four months out of the year yeah you're not working below the poverty line like saying oh well people working at a factory need to like like bust their ass and i'm like yeah but they're still making minimum wage yeah like and they have and they have worker protections you know if you get if you get injured in the minor leagues you hide it um unless you're a top prospect because you might get cut you know you might have nothing yeah so it's not the same yeah like and I, everyone who was giving me, like, sass back when I was reading about the post <laughs> clearly hadn't read it. Because if you did, you wouldn't be saying those things. Like, these people are being taken advantage of, quite frankly. And they do it with a smile on their face because they hope to one day achieve that dream. But it's unfair, and people in better positions than them should be standing up for them. Yeah, and it's just, um, it's just kind of remarkable how many people will come out and, and just sort of play right into the divide and conquer routine that, you know, so many major, major companies um, and corporations will, will, will put out there and will come after these guys. Like, oh, the minor leaguers, like, oh, who cares about them? Most of these guys will never make it. Um, you know, they're getting played to play baseball and they're not even good enough to be pros. None of that means anything. You're still playing the game. And if you're not playing the game against the top prospects, they don't get better. They don't have a place to play. Um, you know, it's all of a package deal and no one is, you know, calling for minor leaguers to make 150,000 a year. Um, we're just talking about, you know, getting them to a living wage where they're not, you know, eating shit food and living packed in like rats because they, you know, are basically indentured servants to the team as long as they want to, you know, continue to try to play baseball. They have their part to play too, and they deserve to be paid for it. So, yeah. So yeah, come with that sass and you will get sauce back from all of us. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. Either that or I'll just mute you. Yeah, that's true, too. I love the mute much more than the block. Like, the block, I kind of feel like, you know, there, there's a little bit of them being like, oh, you got, you got so mad, I trolled you so hard that you blocked me. When you mute them, they're just like, yeah, yeah they, they're just gone. They can just shout Scream into the void. Into the void. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll move on from that to talk about Mike Trout's super mega fantastic, possibly not really, um, not kind of underpaid <laughs> $430 million contract, which I think surprised a lot of people. $430 million. 
underpayment, it is only in the case of Mike Trout that you could get away with that. Because, yeah, the, the Angels are getting him on kind of a steal, considering he's, like... I was looking at this because somebody said that he was overrated and I lost my mind. <laughs> um, so I was looking at his stats, and even though he was injured last season, his WRC plus was 191. Yeah. Almost double like, the production of anybody else, yes. And that went up... It was 191 or 192, and I'm just like the fact that I can quote it even close off the top of my head is ridiculous. But um, the fact that he was 91 or 92 percent better than average in the league, um, he has like a career F WAR of like 68. Yeah, which is already World Ser- or uh, Hall of Fame worthy. Yep, he's already in. He's like, yeah, he hasn't even met the minimum number of years, and he's already a first round ballot hall of famer yeah uh, jay jaffe who invented the jaws system which does do that it figures out a player's hall of fame eligibility basically based on their top war earning years uh, um, i've talked about this before because i'm obsessed with it made the point that if he has a good season this year he could get as high as third i think he's like sixth or seventh right now in all time um outfielder war wow yeah and could be as high as third in in jaws ranking um, by the end of this season. Yeah. Like, he's, he's not just a generational talent. He's probably one of the best baseball players ever. Yeah, absolutely. And to call him overrated makes me very angry. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's maybe like three or four guys that you could even really compare in his league. Um, and, you know, obviously longevity is going to play a part. Like, hopefully he can keep this up for another seven, eight years, take it to age 35. Um, but you know, you're talking Barry Bonds, you know, Willie Mays, like, you know, there, there's just, yeah, there's very few guys that, um, he had 190, 192 WRC plus is him going up. Like that's the highest it's ever been. Yep. And this is an injury, an injury, like ridden season. And he's been playing for seven, eight years now, seven. Yeah. 2011 was his debut, I think. Yeah. Part-time. Yeah. 2012 was the first full season. Yep. So yeah, no. Come, come tell me that Mike Trout is overrated. Yeah. I mean, you look at, um, you know, Manny Machado, who's, I think, a year younger than Mike Trout, but um, but but Manny Machado is basically like half the player uh, Mike Trout is by war, and Bryce Harper is even less than that. Um, so, you know, if Manny Machado deserves $300 million and all the history of the game suggests that that was a perfectly reasonable amount to pay for him, then Mike Trout probably was worth like $550 million, maybe $600 million. Um, he's, yep. he's that kind of player and, you know, Mike Trout wants to win obviously. And I guess that's kind of like the crux of this is, you know, he probably left some money on the table in the hopes that the team will figure something out and, you know, be able to make a contender out of the angels sometime in the next couple of years. And, you know, I, I like Billy Epler as the GM. Um, you can have all the questions you want about Brad Osmus as the manager, um, that's perfectly reasonable, but um, they, they still have a long way to go. The farm system has come back, and, you know, they've got Joe Adele, who's, you know, probably a couple years away and is still pretty raw, still swings and misses kind of a lot, for my taste, for an elite, like, Vlad Guerrero Jr. level hitting prospect. Um, but they do have some other good guys. Uh, but it feels like they they still need a lot of work. Um, you know, that they would probably, probably like to see themselves as contenders this year, but if you look at that pitching staff, it's pretty hard to... Pretty hard to predict that. So, I don't know. Hopefully, Mr. Trout did the right thing. Um, yeah. Bryce, you know, Bryce Harper was kind of joking a couple weeks ago after he'd signed with the Phillies about, you know, like, putting in a call to Mike and, you know, how they were, you know, they might bring put the band together and all that. Well, no. 
that's not going to happen. Uh, Mike Trout so seems very comfortable out there. Somebody pointed out they could still, he could still come for the last year of Harper's contract. Yeah, yep. And probably outplay him by still like five more or something. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. It's interesting times in L.A. Like, you know, that's a move you kind of have to make. Like, I, you know, there's no way. Like, what would you trade him for? You know, you need like, you know, the top five prospects in the game to even like, you know, hope to recoup your value there. So locking them up for the long term, you know, I think the average annual value of that contract is like 35 and a, and a half million per season. Um, you know, that's only a couple million more than Mike, you know, than Miguel Cabrera makes um, or Nolan Arenado or Manny Machado. So it's not even that much more than them. And he's he's just on another level as a player. Um, it's a it's, yeah. a it's a freak show over there. It's a shame that more people don't get to see him. That's the thing. Is that a lot of people are pointing out is that the biggest, the biggest ding against him, and the reason that a lot of people I don't think really appreciate just how good Mike Trout is, is that he's playing in the West Coast. Yeah, and they don't make and the playoffs. Of, and they had, to, and they don't play in October. So, I mean, we're missing a lot of really interesting baseball there, like with the Shohei Otani show, and yeah. you know, with Mike Trout, there's some great baseball to be watched. Um, and as somebody who likes the Mariners, I do sometimes watch West Coast games, but like, woo. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to stay up that late. Yep, it is. I, I did it a lot to watch Otani like early last season and man, yeah, it's a struggle the next day. <laughs> I tend to be up kind of late anyway, but yeah, but I, it was like, you know, going to bed at like 3am, like, uh, 2.30. I usually have those games going when we're podcasting during the regular season, actually. I'll throw on like a Mariners or an A's game or like an Angels game and just have that going while we talk. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to catch some of those teams because yeah, the Tigers don't get out there that much, and when they do, you know, sometimes it's almost an excuse to just turn the turn the site over to Patrick um, Patrick O'Kennedy, <laughs> who lives out in California, and be like, "Hey, write these recaps, would you please, and take care of us so we can all uh, go to bed at, at our normal time." Yeah. So yeah, if there's a point in the season where I might not see just about every game, it's uh, it's when they're out on the West Coast. So. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, you know, Mike Trout is an angel for life, and they've got Otani, and hopefully Billy Epler can do something with that, and Brad Osmus can, you know, not trip over it and, you know, fall on his face. So we'll see how that goes. And then right before we went on the air, another, another major extension announced. Alex Bregman, angel yeah. with the Astros for, what was it, $100 million? Six years. Six years, which will include all of his current contract. And his next, his three years of arbitration or something like that. Yeah, I think all three years um, of arb, yeah. But it was like six years of 100 mil, which it's, it goes to show you how bonkers we've been looking at these contracts lately. Because I had read that and I'm like, that seems low. And it <laughs> does seem low, doesn't it though? Like, Yeah, I mean a little bit. Yeah, it does. Except for the fact that he wouldn't, you know, hit free agency for another, what, four seasons or something. And so he'd be in arbitration and you don't know what you're going to get there. Um but yeah, I mean, what's he gonna? He's gonna make like seventeen, sixteen million a year now. I mean, that's you know, that's pretty good. But if he was on the open market, he'd probably be looking at, you know, eight, nine years. Mm, I don't know, maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of like two hundred million, maybe a little more. Two ten, yeah, something in that range. Uh, yeah. Not not be crazy. Yep, uh, put up 7.6 war last year per fan graphs, although the year before it was less. Um, it was basically half that. So doesn't really have the huge track record. Um, I, that's a pretty good deal. I don't know. That's not, that's not a bad contract to take, I would I would say. But um, I think 
you know, it was interesting just because no one really kind of saw that coming or even heard that there were any discussions. And for all of us, uh, Nick Castellanos, believe, true believers, you know, it, it does. It gives you a little bit of hope that they'll just kind of wake up and, and, you know, and just say, Nick, can we, you know, can we sit down and talk about this? <laughs> Are we very far apart? You know, maybe they have, maybe they have a little bit and they don't want to say, and they've already kind of determined that Nick thinks he's way more valuable than the Tigers do. It's possible. Uh, but it doesn't really feel like that's gone on, and their comments would indicate that, that nothing like that has gone on as well. Yeah. 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 Just just, just pick the kid up, okay? Can I at least have, like, Maggie, Nick, and Kristen Stewart, you know, in the heart of the order for a couple of years so that there's at least some offensive potential? And then we'll hope Daz and <laughs> Daz and Paredes come up, Rogers, etc. Um, if, if, uh, here's, here's my, if the Tigers extend Nick... I will buy a Castellanos jersey. Oh, see? Hashtag Tigers, do you see this? Do you hear Do you hear the promises being made right here on this? I, I want to say radio a, station. I have not bought a Tigers jersey since Ian Kinsler's first season. And every single Tigers jersey I own now belongs to a player that is no longer with the team. Oh, that's sad. I have an Avila, a Scherzer, a Verlander, and a Kinsler. And I will buy a Nick Cassiano's jersey. Like, not a jersey, a proper jersey if the Tigers extend him. I'll do it. <laughs> yep. So there you go, Tigers. Come on. Come on. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. It, it just makes a lot of sense to me to just do that. Um, they, they need that bat. And, you know, maybe they can find it somewhere else, but I kind of doubt it. And, and yeah, like, like, we've, like we've said over and over again, Nick kind of feels like the glue. You know, he feels like the guy in that, in that locker room at this point. Um, you know, obviously Miguel Cabrera has some some leadership ability, and you know maybe at some point the Tigers. Everybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, it's true. I think Nick is the guy that will probably like remember everybody's birthday. Yeah, yeah, and you know give high fives because of something he saw on somebody's Instagram stories. Yeah, Miggy is like the guy that you hold in awe in the clubhouse, and if he speaks, everybody listens. But because the presence is so strong. You know, he can kind of only lead by example. He's not Mr. You know, lighthearted going around and like bucking everybody up all the time. You know, he's uh, taking care of his body, hopefully. And, uh, and yeah, just doesn't have that, that guy, you know, that potential. I don't know if Nick Castellanos speaks Spanish, but I'm continuous, continually just weirded out and perturbed by the fact that, the, that literally all the Tigers coaches are, you know, you got Lloyd McClendon and then you got a pack of like pasty white Midwestern dudes. <laughs> It's like, who communicates with the Latin American players? I wonder. Sometimes I don't know. You know, many of them can speak English, obviously, but um, but you know, it, it helps to have someone in that dugout who speaks your native language and kind of, um, you know, can kind of buck you up, you know, on your own uh, in your own level. So I don't know. I always think that's weird too. But you know, Nick Castellanos perhaps does not fill that role. But um, but yeah, yeah, it just makes sense. Sure Pick them up, Tigers. Gotta have somebody. Like you can't. Yeah, there must be a some guys who can translate. Ramon Santiago is, you know, still down there somewhere. I'm sure there's probably another one of the the more minor level coaches that um, that probably can handle some of the translating. But yeah, I don't know. Is there something that Manny. popped into my head that I'm always like, eh, what the hell? Manny's the translator for the Rays. Oh yeah, they need one. Yeah, bring in Manny. Mostly because I love Manny. Oh yeah, has he kind of become a bit of a mascot too? He does verify Manny. Hashtag yeah. verify Manny. Otani is, you know, Otani's translator, you know, is basically like a celebrity at this point. Like, I, lo- I kind of love that dude. <laughs> He's got kind of a, a funny sense of humor on his own. And, uh, you know, just, it's just, a, you just see him in this weird position where 
you know, it's like people going insane over the guy he's supposed to translate for, and he's kind of, you know, kind of got to like downplay everything and just kind of, you know, be Mr. Baseball talk. And uh, and you can kind of see the twinkle in his eye that he finds the whole thing like real kind of surreal. I think so. Yeah, it's, he's fun to watch. Yeah. So yeah. So that brings us through, you know, the Fulmer, Fulmer situation, the Trout Bregman news, um, all the MLB labor excitement. I don't know. I touched on a lot of the things that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. For... It might actually be a short episode. What? It seems unlikely. No. <laughs> Um, an hour from now when we wrap this, I will look the fool. I know. At some point, like, I would kind of like to, I, I might have to try to jump on Keenan's podcast because I would kind of like to talk about the minor league guys a little bit. I just wanted to mention that, you know, like, Keenan, uh, Keenan Carter, who runs the minor league tracker podcast for us and does some, some writing and scouting and stuff for us, has got a new podcast up where he interviewed um, Tariq Skubel, who is... Um, a pretty hard-throwing left-hander with this uh, really, really good rising fastball who the Tigers got in the draft last year, um, kind of in the, the early rounds. I think he was maybe like, I don't want to say fourth or sixth round, somewhere in there. Uh, but he's got an interview with him up, so you can check that out. Um, you know, we've, we've been getting a lot of pretty good reports on, on some of the top farm guys. Like, obviously, Casey Mize impressed the heck out of everybody. Um, I wrote up his scouting profile as our number one BYB consensus top prospect for the Tigers. Um, you can find that on the site. Um, and he had a really nice spring and impressed everyone. Matt Manning has impressed the heck out of everyone. Um, you know, I, I've seen kind of a few people now talking about Matt Manning's changeup, which we hadn't heard a whole lot about until late last year when I watched a few of his eerie starts and kind of made a fuss about it because that was coming along. So both of those guys seem to be doing well. Um, I've heard good things about Wenzel Perez, who's the shortstop you will see out at West Michigan, along with Carlos Guzman, who's another one of the Hopefully, um, the influx of international talent as the Tigers have begun spending um, spending a lot more, um, kind of compare you know comparatively to the league at least over the past few years under the new rules. Um, Carlos Guzman's a guy to watch. Um, fantastic changeup, throws hard, nice delivery. Um, needs a little bit more work, you know, on the breaking ball and command. Obviously, like everybody who's 19 years old, but um, but there's some good some good signs from the farm, and um, and that kind of makes us all. I'll feel good watching those guys kind of um, kind of take their place in the the hierarchy a little bit, and and there being a little bit more depth below the top two levels because pretty much everybody's going to be at all of our top prospects will be at Toledo or Erie this year, um, kind of getting close to striking distance. Although I wouldn't expect to see, as we mentioned earlier, Casey Mize. Um, don't expect to see Casey Mize. Probably don't expect to see Bo Burrows um, or Matt Manning or Franklin Perez. None of those guys. But um, but there's a lot of the you know the Turnbull Funkhauser and some of the relievers. Um, you might see Anthony Castro and Gregory Soto who are you know starters now, but probably need to be converted to relief and started to push a little bit. So we should see some of those guys. And I the, you know the whole thing about Fulmer going down is I hope the Tigers take that opportunity to kind of push some of these guys because they're starting to pile up. And I don't like guys being in the upper minors too long because you start to get stale. You've been the big fish in the small pond for a year or two, you've expected to get to the major leagues. And when it doesn't start happening, I, I can imagine that, you know, a guy like Kyle Funkhauser or Spencer Turnbull is kind of, you know, really, really champing at the bit and would possibly suffer some letdown if they didn't get their shot, um, at least a little bit this year. So, yeah. So hopefully the Tigers will do that. Hopefully they'll push things along. Um, what we're going to do now, we're going to turn to the East Divisions real quick. And after that, we will go on to our um, 
our listener questions. But yeah, let's let's just just kind of talk about like let's start with the National League East. Um, I'll give you the Pakota projections for the standings. Um, the Phillies are projected to go 89 and 73, as are the Nationals. Um, so those two are the top teams. Um, the Phillies obviously made a lot of moves um, this offseason. The Nationals didn't do quite so much, although they did sign. Um, oh Jesus! <laughs> Who's the lefty? Uh, uh, the lefty. God, the lefty starter that they got, Corbin. Um, yes. Yeah. So they added um, they added him in there, um, and then we've got the Mets at eighty seven seventy five. The Mets did a lot um, as well. The Braves are actually projected at eighty five and seventy seven to finish fourth in the National League East, which is pretty in- interesting when you consider that the Braves made the postseason last year um, and still have the best and deepest farm system of anyone, probably this side of the Padres or possibly the Rays, because I'm really starting to like that Rays farm system more and more. My God, starting. I hate you guys. <laughs> well, I already liked it. I already liked it, but man. Let me preach to you about wonderful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know it. I know. And I already snatched up, like, Brett Honeywell in my Dynasty League immediately. Like, I got to have that guy. And then there's still, like, two other, like, superb pitching prospects over there, as well as a couple more positional guys, too. So, yeah, it's, uh, man. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful farm, my friend. Yeah, when people hear about um, hear about us, you know, complaining about the front office that the Tigers have and like, you know, why they can't get it together, you know, just take a look at that Dodgers, Astros, Rays farm system. Like, none of those guys are picking at the top. You know, um, you know, they haven't in, in a couple of years, and they're still just just churning out you know quality players constantly. The Yankees too. The Yankees like rookies, the really low level guys. You know, they've kind of exhausted the upper farm, but um, they've already restocked the, the lower levels, the rookie ball, A ball levels. There's a ton of talent down there again. So um, that's what that's where the, the rub comes with the Tigers. We're, you know, they've done reasonably well with the trades that they made. They've, they've done a little better in the drafting, but they've still got, you know, still got a lot of ways to go to um, turn into one of these juggernauts that just keeps churning out talent left and right, like the Nationals, for example. Just, you know, let Bryce Harper walk and they're just going to plug Victor Robles in there, who's a way better defender, who can play center field, doesn't have quite as much power, but has way more speed and is a hell of a young hitter. Um, and they're probably not going to miss a step, really. It doesn't cost $300 million. Yep, exactly. You know? So, yeah, I don't know. Do you have a do you have a favorite? Do you feel like the Phillies, like, maybe have figured it out with the signings of... You know, I mean, they you know they signed Trout. They traded for John Segura last year. They traded for JT Realmuto um, to to catch. They've done some I things. They, and they they did that Nola extension. So yeah, they made some good moves. Am I sorry? My mic is being pulled away from my face. <laughs> now you can hear me again. Hey. Um, I do think the Phillies are probably going to end top of the division. They almost found their footing last year. Like, they did some really good spans. Yeah. Where it was just like, whoa, guys, what are the Phillies doing? That's interesting. And, like, to me, I think with the additions that they've made and with Kapler in kind of year two and and knowing more how to, like, coach that team, I, I think they've got it this year. I think that ranking for the Mets is just bonkers though. Bonkers too high? Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I you know, I really like they've got a first baseman prospect, um, Peter Alonso, who's basically like a right handed Joey Gallo. Um just ludicrous raw power, um, pretty good hit tool. Can't really do much in the field, can't really run. 
but they're going to add him in there. You know, Robbie Cano doesn't do a ton for you at second base, but maybe in a smaller park like, you know, City Field, he will find a little bit more of the home run stroke um, that he kind of lost in the last year with Seattle. I love that they got Edwin Diaz. Like, they went out and got the best reliever in the game, probably, in my opinion, and... um and some of those things are good, and they may threaten, but yeah, I don't know that they did enough. I, I guess my question with the Phillies, like, they, they really collapsed in the second half last year, and and yeah, it's just kind of a question, and they weren't very good defensively, which is kind of the other the other factor, and, you know, putting Bryce Harper out there in the outfield instead of Reese Hoskins isn't a particularly huge upgrade, although obviously the, the offense is, is majorly upgraded. Um but I still kind of feel like maybe they need a starter um, or and a little bit of relief help. I think, you know, they did pick up a reliever or two, but I'm not sure if they quite have the pitching staff. I still kind of like the Nationals just because I think, you know, running Scherzer and whatever Strasburg can give you and Corbin, you know, I, that's still a pretty darn strong front three compared to, like, Nola, Arietta, and who else? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. The Phillies have some good pitching prospects. Maybe somebody comes up and, and kind of shows shows the way. Um, Nick Pavetta is a, is a good, solid starter that maybe has some potential. So, I don't know. It might be kind of a dogfight. But, yeah, the NL East in general looks pretty pretty darn tough. Like, you know, when you've got the Braves, you know, projected to be fourth in the division, that's that's going to just be a dogfight over there. Um, as is the NL Central. Like, those those two divisions might be the, the two most competitive in baseball this year. So I feel like the Braves are going to end up higher than they're they're listed there. That's yeah. They just didn't do very much with the you know to improve the pitching. I guess is really kind of what where that comes from. Um, they they did trade for Kevin Gossman from the Orioles last year, and he kind of ticked up a little bit. Uh, but they got a lot of value out of Anibal Sanchez last year, and he's gone. They didn't really add anybody. Um, yeah, the Braves are going to be kind of a wild card again because they've got the prospects who, if somebody develops and comes up and and makes another splash, you're going to be in, in much better shape than it kind of looks like right now. Um, and Acuna Jr. might just absolutely go ham and look like Mike Trout, Mookie Betts by the end of this year. So yes, yeah. fully capable of that. I still, I kind of find it funny that the Marlins um, are actually like, I think slightly projected to have one more, one or two more wins than us. <laughs> not really seeing that, but anyway, the Marlins are not our study. Um, or let's turn ourselves to the, you know, the most storied, the most important, the most everything, the biggest, the Trumpiest division in all of baseball, the American League East. Um, oh, my hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah, those two evil monoliths, the New York Yankees projected at 96 wins, the Red Sox projected at 90 wins, and our humble, scrappy little Rays projected at 85, and then... Um, I don't know, some team that's screwing with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and then that other team with the, the bird. bird. Yeah, the bird team with the orange. The birds are on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. So can the Rays take down those two, do you think? Do, do you think they have much chance? No. It's going to be tough. Yeah, it really is. Can, I think that the Yankees and the Red Sox are probably going to finish with higher numbers than those. And I think the Rays could very well do 90 wins again this year. Yeah, so do I. Um, I think that they've they've only gotten better, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, um, they've added some really interesting pieces. Tommy Pham is just going to be outrageous this season. Yeah, um, he's built for that park to just spray it and let the ball roll and him just run like a freaking crazy person. 
It's going to be so good. Blake Snell's looking good. They're still going with the opener strategy. They brought Tyler in. Glass now's looking good. Yeah, I like Tyler Glass now. And they signed yeah. Charlie Morton, which I think is a yeah. awesome move. I love that move. And they didn't have to go very long term on it either. And the thing is, he's already basically said that once he's done his raise contract, he's done. Yeah. He said that he's going to retire afterwards. So for him, this is really like the the going away party. Yep, he's and got, what, two like, two years? Or three? Yeah, two, two years. Three, three years. Okay. Two, three? I, oh my god, I should know that. But I don't, off the top of my head. I think there's an, another extra year of opt-in <laughs> or something. Um, but, yeah, he's just going to go balls to the wall. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be like peak Charlie Morton, Knockwood, I hope. Yeah. Because he's got nothing else to prove after this. Yeah. And this is... And he's still, you know, he was still pitching really well last year. Like, it wasn't quite the crazy breakout in my mind anyway, that 2017 was, but still had a really strong season. And it just feels like the Rays are, are the right team to kind of put him on. It's a little bit, a little bit harder to hit home runs in Tampa. Not, not a lot, but you don't have the Crawford boxes kind of to worry about. You get Kevin Kermeyer out there and uh, a bunch of other speedy outfielders like fam. And who's the other guy I'm missing? Mal- is Malik Smith still there? I don't even no, know. Malik's is with is he back with the Mariners again? That's right. Yeah. The most Depoto way that could have gone. Yeah. Um, who else is in the outfield? There's a whole mixed bag of guys that can kind of play anywhere, and that's sort of the beauty of the Rays, is that there are so many players who can tackle so many different positions. Yeah, and there's kind of a lot of versatility, and like you know, you got Joey Wendell and um, and Willie Adamas, who are both like pretty good contact hitters with speed. Well, I think Joey Wendell was like low key rookie of the year material last year. Yeah. And, like, had he not had some much bigger names to face off against, he would have been a real, real option there. Yeah. Um, yeah, the peripherals didn't really support it, but when you look at what the production turned out to be, um, he had a oh, just yeah. ludicrous yeah. year. Yeah. Austin Meadows. Oh, that's right. That was the trade. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and Avisel Garcia. How yeah. did I forget that? Yeah. Right. And that's another player who you know, puts a lot of balls in play um, on the ground and on a line, like doesn't hit enough fly balls to, to tap into his home run power the way you'd hope. But uh, but he's a guy who can get real hot um, and has has a lot of speed. Um, that That's another player who I think um, in that ballpark could do really well, just smoking it on the turf all over the place and running like mad. They picked up Mike Zunino in the offseason too. Yep. Uh, Daniel Robertson's really solid there. Um the, Willie Thomas is A+. Yeah, the bullpen's um, still strong. It's just kind of that one bat. Like, we're you know, you guys were kind of talking about Nelson Cruz, right? Yeah, oh like, yeah, Nelson Cruz we was, like, mad hype between, like, there was just much need. Yeah. I'm so sad that didn't happen. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it still feels like maybe they could use, like, that one sort of dominant bat. Like, I, I know I floated this earlier on, on an earlier podcast that Nick Castellanos would actually fit in, like, just great there. Actually, <laughs> the Tigers traded J.D. Martinez, I thought that that was a really solid move that could have been made because you could have gotten some of the really good farm pieces from the lower levels that still had a lot of, like, a really high ceiling. Yeah. And J.D. Martinez would have just been a perfect, like, power bat fit for the Rays. But that obviously did not happen. He went to a different AL East team. Yeah, which is sad. going to the Diamondbacks. But anyway, that one step in the middle, yep. lest we forget. But I thought the Rays would have been a really smart move there. Um, but you're right, Nick would be a really interesting trade target for them. Yep. Um, and still, they have the pieces. Like, even, even lower-level pieces out of the Rays' farm are really valuable. 
So yeah, and if I was the Tigers, yeah, I'd, you know, and that's that's kind of what I'd be looking for is um, you know, trying to restock those like eighteen and nineteen year olds and pick out you know maybe two or three of those guys that you think have a lot of potential. Um, that's not really something the Tigers seem to necessarily excel at, although they seem to have nailed it with Isaac Paredes at least. So yeah, something like that seems like it would be good, and maybe you know, and maybe that'll come at the deadline. Um, I can I can make my um, ubiquitous you know pitch for the fact that the Dodgers and Yankees are morons um, and have been run by morons, and both of them would have World Series by now if they had simply traded for Justin Verlander and and or really JD Martinez. And it's just one of those things where it's just funny to look back and like you know these really smart teams like that's you know you cost yourself a World Series because you didn't want to make that one move. Um, it's just really you know baseball is just a hell of a thing. <laughs> You wouldn't think that would necessarily come back to bite you so bad, but in both cases, it's like, man, if either one of you guys traded for Verlander, you have a World Series by now, so, you know, what are you doing? But, yeah, you look at Tampa. Yeah, you look at Tampa, you've got, in the farm system, like, close. You've got Brett Honeywell, you've got Brendan McKay. Um, those are two of my favorite pitching prospects in all of baseball. God damn, you guys. Really <laughs> on McKay as a pitcher now, which is, instead of just going two-way with them. Um, they're really, really focusing on him for pitching. Jose DeLeon is also yeah. super solid. Yeah, we still got him back there. Had some injury, a lot of shoulder trouble, but, you know, might might get it together for you. Um, especially because, as we mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Michael Fulmer situation, the Rays will try something. They will they will innovate. You know, if they think that you can, can go through a lineup once and can't do anything more than that, well, they'll just have you do that. You know, it won't be, yeah. won't spend so two or three years. Defense. Yeah. Are, are you good seeing th- three to five batters? Yeah. Let's use you for three to five batters. Let's make the most out of you. Yep. And, um, you know, and I look at, you know, you look at like the middle infielders that the Rays even have on the farm, you know, considering a Nick trade, you know, there's Brandon Lowe. There's, um, what's that guy? Vidal Bruhan, I think his name is, or Bruhan. Mm-hmm. Bruhan? Yeah, no. he's younger, uh, but he's a real nice prospect. I don't know if you could get either one of those guys for Nick. Honestly, because both of them are already like fairly well regarded, but it just kind of goes to show like just how damn deep that system is. Yeah, so I think yeah, we we both tend to agree that it's it's going to be the Red Sox or the Yankees. Do you have a favorite? Um, you know, the Red Sox I didn't really do any particularly like either. Of them. Oh, for sure, for sure. But you know, you look at it like the Red Sox won the World Series and they let Joe Kelly go. Um, they apparently have let Craig Kimbrell go and that doesn't seem to be even like a, a thought. So, you know, they're kind of, kind of hurting there a little bit as far as, um, some of the pitching depth. And then you look at the Yankees and they traded for James Paxton. Um, you know, they extended Aaron Hicks. They picked up Tulowitzki just kind of as a, kind of a stopgap measure. Um, you know, they, they did what the Yankees have continued to do, which is not to make like necessarily the biggest move, but to pick up some more useful pieces. They also picked up Adam Adovino to make that goddamn bullpen even better. God, I hate those guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think they might have just picked up Gio Gonzalez, but I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Like, officially, he's at camp, though. Is that a minor, yeah, minor league deal, I think? Ugh. Yes, like, with like bonuses. Yeah, it's weird. So here's the thing. I hate the Yankees. Oh, me too. In, like, principle, um, I like so many people on that team. (laughs) Do you now? It's like my feelings about the Indians, where I hate the Indians on principle, and I hate, you know, aspects of the Indians, but I love so many people that play for that team. Uh, yeah. See, I have that with with the Red Sox, not much with the Yankees. Like, pretty much the Yankees can all just burn for all I care. (laughs) I just find them to be kind of a fun 
young team. Like, they've got that kind of spark to them. And if they were any other team, I'd be like, yeah, okay, Aaron Judge, I feel you. This is awesome. Ooh, Gene Carlson, you hit those, you know, home runs. With yeah, 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 those guys are fun. I like Judge, for sure. Like, I got to see an Aaron Judge tipped out home run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was fun. Yeah. And he, you know, he seems like an affable sort of fella. Um, I hate Gary Sanchez. Yeah, exactly. I will until the day I die, but... I'm not a big fan of Austin Romine either, but, you know, he's he's got a little bit of cred because I like his brother, so that's okay. Yeah, his brother's the only redeeming factor there, but... And I've always liked like, CeCe Sabathia, but um, he's he's a little bit banged up, which may explain picking up Geo, Kind of to play yeah, the role there. Lot, sort of love that they're still stuck with Jacoby Ellsbury at this point. I know, it is kind of funny. The doddering uncle that can't do anything like to help, but they're like, "All right, Uncle Jacoby, come on." Oh, I know, and like, and he's only like what thirty three or something. He's not even that old. Yeah. yeah, what a weird. Just, I mean, you know, the guy made bank, but that's just got to have been like one of the most awkward tenures with every any team but ever. That's what kills me is that he was, and, and that didn't seem crazy at the time because he was. I remember him being so good in like two thousand thirteen with the the Red Sox, like yeah. so good. Yeah. And like irritatingly so because obviously 2013 Red Sox were our enemy. Yep. Um, but, but like, yeah, that did not work out really well for anybody involved. No, there were a lot of messy contracts in those years between kind of both of those teams. I mean, Jacoby Ellsbury was kind of the problem, and then you had like before that there was the Carl Crawford debacle coming from Tampa to Boston, and then you had Hanley Ramirez, you had Pablo Sandoval in Boston, and um, Adrian Gonzalez. It was just like, yeah, there was. There's a long, uh, a long train of misery until they finally realize, like, okay, we're going to start with the farm system and then we'll spend later. And the Yankees still haven't really spent that much. Like, they've, you know, the payroll is high, but there's a lot of dead money on the books. And, um, you know, they extended Aaron Hicks. Obviously, they paid a, a hefty price for Giancarlo Stanton, which I think they might end up regretting a little bit. But, uh-huh. but it is the Yankees, so, you know, they can absorb it more than most at some point. What did he do last year? Sorry, I'm looking up Jacoby Ellsbury because he just like doesn't even exist in my mind, and yet he had 409 plate appearances last year and had a 101 WRC plus. So he's basically a league average player. We could still use Jacoby Ellsbury over here. Oh, let's go get Jacoby Ellsbury so he can sit on our bench instead of New York. Yeah, I don't know. We just platoon him with uh, Jacoby. How many games did he play? We'd platoon him with Jacoby Jones and just you know have the Jacoby platoon. Um, oh my god! Jacoby Doom Patrol. Yeah, he played 112 games actually. Oh, that's actually kind of surprising. Yeah, I, I had no idea he'd played that many. Oh, wait, oh, I'm sorry. That was 2017. My God, he didn't even play last year. That's right. Okay. There we go. That sounds more right. That's like a Troy Tulowitzki. They picked up Troy Tulowitzki too, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They got him because, um, yeah, Didi Gregorius is going to miss most of the first half, at least, it sounds like. so. Godspeed, Yankees. Yeah, so they're going to play some Tulo out there. They picked up um, DJ LeMahieu, and they've got Glaber Torres. So between all that, they've got the middle infield covered, as always. Um, and they could probably use Miguel Andujar to, to pinch or to DH some when Sanchez is catching. They've got Greg Bird and Luke Voigt to play first and, and pinch hit and DH. Like, yeah, it's a stacked lineup. Like, their rotation isn't that impressive, but they've just got so much damn depth in the bullpen. And, um, yeah, they're, they're going to make it work again, I I'm sure. Problem here is, and I've realized this, is that they made Jacoby Ellsbury shave off his incredibly beautiful 2013 postseason beard. Yeah. And 
everything went to crap after that. Yep, they destroyed him. That was the end of it. Like you, you don't make somebody shave off a beard that beautiful. Yep. Like it increased his his face appeal by about seven hundred fold. I'm told that Jacoby jo- or Jacoby Jones, Jacoby Ellsbury goes home often at night and just puts on Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen and just listens to it. Sadly, the whole the line about you know they they cut your hair through the mist. They sung the Hallelujah. And yeah. A minor yeah, yeah, exactly. It's rough. So, all right, pick one. Pick one of these three teams. Who's going to win the AL East? Who? Come on. <laughs> I kind of. Yankees just because the Red Sox took it last year. Yeah, I want to say the Rays, honestly. I want to say that the Rays will go ham at, at midseason and, like, finally make those deals. But, yeah, I kind of think Yankees, too. I, I kind of think, like, Sale and, and Price are a bit held together by twigs and thread at this point. So, I'm not... Oh, man, I like your optimism, though. Let's go with the Rays. I think the Rays could be pretty scary. Pretty scary for a lot of teams. I, I wish they had gotten that one more bat. That's, that's all. But Well, I mean, there is still rumor milling about them picking up Kimbrel, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, that'd be a I weird... Wish, I wish they'd re-signed Romo, to be honest with you. I yeah. wish they picked up Romo for one more year, and honestly, had they not, I wish the Tigers had. Yeah. Yeah, Sergio Romo's still really effective, and he's a hell of a leader in the bullpen. I mean, I know Shane Green... Now, Shane Green's a pretty good leader, too, but yeah. Yeah, especially right now, I feel like he would have been really beneficial, given how I want them to do things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like Sergio Romo would just be the, like the relief coach who would just talk to Rick Anderson and explain how this whole thing's supposed to work and stuff. Yeah. So what we do with the usage, like, but when, doesn't everybody's arm fall off? No, no, you can't use them that day. You use them the next day. Yeah. Kind of break it all down and some charts for them. Some friendly, friendly pie charts and graphs. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't quite pick the raise though. So, okay. I'll go Yankees. Um, I'm still going to go kind of Nationals Yankees here. And I, I feel a particularly gross about the Yankees, but I feel particularly skeptical of the NL East because it just feels like almost anybody other than the Marlins because they suck um, could win it. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, all right. Well, this has been a pretty uh, pretty packed episode already, but let's try to squeeze in a few listener questions here at the end. And then I will... Um, we we will not talk about Dune. Maybe some other time I will uh, I will expound on some Dune for you. We only do this for us. I always forget we have listeners. Hello, listeners. Yeah, hey, listeners. Um, we we both would like to recommend that you all um check out you know all Kristen Stewart post Twilight films. We were talking about that before we get on the air because I saw Personal Shopper last night and um it's by the same director and has Kristen Stewart in it as the um, Clouds of Sils Maria did, which I think won the. Is it the Palme d'Or in France is the best foreign film? Best actress for yeah. Is it Palme d'Or or whatever the uh, French Oscars are? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Personal Shopper was like a very, very serious, weird ghost story that um, didn't do the normal ghost story things and was probably scarier and more thought provoking for doing it. Um, it's a strange, interesting movie. Um, so check that out. Plus, you just get to look at Kristen Stewart, who I find like fascinating to watch. Oh, she's bonkersly weirdly attractive yeah she is really attractive and she's super i don't know she's just got that weird like strength from sketchiness i don't know how to explain it like she seems like a really strong person but but she just um there's a lot going on there's just a lot going on in her head a really dope resting bitch face which i mean in the most positive way possible because i am all 
also a sufferer or person who carries <laughs> gene, yeah. however we say that. Yep. Now you got me looking. I swear to God, I own Dune. She's got. I haven't read it. Now I'm looking for it. She's got good slouch. She's, you know, mm-hmm. she can be super awkward. Yeah. She's everybody's dream 90s girlfriend. Yeah, she really kind of is like a manic pixie dream girl, but like too smart to like play into any of that. We'll just keep doing weird shit, which is fantastic. She's like the, um, she's like the depressed Aubrey Plaza of my, of my heart, let's say. <laughs> For some reason I see those two some, somewhat similarly, I don't know. Um, yeah. Do you have a copy of Dude? Did you find it? Let's talk. No. <laughs> We're not, I mean, a buddy of mine's already like, I also have not read Dune. We should read Dune. So now apparently I have to read Dune. But hold on. My old lady needs to uh, handle this. Well, that's all right. I'll take the first, um, the first question um, from the site. And this was from, I think it was from Coco G. Coco G, what's up? Um, he wanted to know. I do not have Dune. Uh, oh, see, I, I can remedy that. Um, Coco G is planning on a few road trips this summer um, and just kind of wanted, looking to follow Erie and Toledo around and wanted to know um, if there were any ballparks or cities with any can't, fis- can't miss features or ballparks. Um, you know, that's a tough question because I haven't really been to enough to, to say. Honestly, I've been out to UPMC in Erie and I've been to Toledo in West Michigan. Um, I've seen the lug nuts. It's America. Yeah, yeah. And other than that, I really haven't gotten around. So I did talk to Keenan Carter, um, Chris Brown over at SRD and got some recommendations. And, you know, they were really suggesting that, like, Charlotte um, has just, like, the, the nicest, the absolute nicest park um, that's kind of a copy of PNC Park in Pittsburgh. So that was a recommendation. Everybody said that you should go to Akron to see um, see the Rubbernecks. And then there's also um, the Columbus um, Clippers have a really nice stadium as well. And going to see them against um, the Toledo Mudhens is, is a good time. And the Toledo Mudhens should have like a pretty good dose of interesting talent, as will the Seawolves. Um, so maybe try those out. Those are some of the, requis- the recommendations I picked up from other people. Um, as for myself, I haven't gotten around enough to see all these parks uh, myself either. Oh, I also heard Indianapolis was really good and Louisville. So maybe keep those in mind um, and give some of those a whirl and try to plan kind of a whirlwind tour if the schedules line up. Um, let's see. Well, we kind of answered, answered these Tiger Doc questions. Um, but he did kind of want to know, Is there any? do you think there's any chance the Tigers might go after any of the remaining kind of free agents, um, pitchers, or try to kind of pick up someone like a Gio Gonzalez who, you know, is probably signed to a minor league deal and isn't going to make any moves. Um, nope. Yeah, I don't either. And I kind of don't want them to. Like, if, if there's a need at some point, you can, you can pick someone off the scrap heap somewhere. But I would just like to see the Tigers, like, cycle some of these guys up. Um, you know, and if Ryan Carpenter is going to do anything, like, he better do it immediately um, or I want him gone. I don't want him sitting around in the farm system, like, taking up a spot as the better players come up. So try those guys. Um, try Fulmer. Um, convert Kyle Funkhauser to a relief, in my opinion. Try that with a couple other guys. Um, start, you know, move some of these guys up and let's, let's see what they can do and see if we can turn this into at least a good bullpen. Um, you know, if we, if we do kind of take a bit of a raise approach, you know, mix some of those guys in with, you know, Jimenez, Green, Verhagen, maybe. We'll see what he does. Alcantara, um, you know, Hardy, maybe Norris. Um, although I still think Norris should probably be the, you know, Norris and, and Turnbull should be the fifth and sixth starter. Try some of those things. Move those guys up. Um, and then he also wanted to know, was there ever, were there ever any real credible offers made for Fulmer um, starting after 2016 when he won the Rookie of the Year? And 
I mean, I'm sure there were credible offers, but we don't, you know, but credible, you know, like means like not awful, like a reasonable offer. And the Tigers didn't have any reason to accept just a reasonable offer. They were hoping that Fulmer would come on. Yeah. You know, they wanted the world. Yep. And I, I basically approve because, you know, everything I ever heard was about Fulmer that, that seemed close, you know, to, to maybe reality was about the Yankees. And that deal was always kind of centered around, um, you know, like I never even heard Estevan Florial kind of mentioned in that deal. You know, it was basically, you know, Redman, maybe Justice Sheffield. Um, I, you know, it seemed like Gleyber Torres was the guy that they wouldn't put in that deal. And that just all kind of tells me like the package probably just wasn't great. And so I have no regrets. Um, doesn't sound like you do. Like, mm-hmm. I yeah. think it would have been super dumb to have traded him for some like rando prospects because at the time he was kind of the, even in 2017, he was still kind of moving towards being the only thing we had that resembled a potential ACE. Yeah. And you don't trade that with that much time left on his contract for nothing. Yeah. Or even for just like a decent package. Like you, you just, I don't know. You just don't do that. I mean, it's hindsight. You know, I'm sure some people said otherwise at the time, but it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. I guess the only kind of caveat is that with the Tigers, you know, sometimes kind of indicating and, and they're not, you know, making this, you know, rock solid or, or really seem to have any specific plan. But if the Tigers are planning on, you know, not spending particularly any more money until like 2022, 23, um, and that was their plan, well then, all right, yeah, you probably should have taken whatever you could get, get for Michael Former because apparently you've decided to just basically punt on everyone who you will see on the field this year almost, um, but, you know, we don't know how things would have played out. Things might have played out differently. You know, if Fulmer had blossomed and built on that Rookie of the Year campaign and become, you know, like a legitimate number one starter, if not like a real full-fledged ace, um, you know, and, and you could have built on that. That that was the plan. I don't know that the, the Tigers really were thinking quite so long-term at that point. Like, maybe they were thinking we cash in, you know, these 2017 deals. Um, you know, we take the number one pick. Maybe we take the number one pick or a top pick the next year, and then we try to go. But when you don't have Fulmer and you don't have Norris coming along, that kind of undercuts all that. So it's hard to say in retrospect. Yep. Mm. Uh, We had one on the Twitters, which we kind of addressed, but we should just outright answer since we're on the topic of Fulmer. Uh, John Orshak wanted to know, with Fulmer likely out for the season, do you think Mize will be called up? And you and I both have the same answer to this. Yeah, yeah. there's no way. No. Nope. Yeah. I, I chuckled a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> you were more polite. Yeah. Uh, no. No. I mean, let's, let, me, let me just try to imagine a scenario. Like, if Casey Mize is absolutely... Like, if, the, if they kind of slow play him a little bit at the beginning and protect him from, you know, approaching, like... 180 plus innings um and he's just dominating at toledo um you know and has already gone through like erie into toledo and is just unhittable and the new you know slurve is looking great and everything's going perfect i mean maybe you'd see him for like a stretch just to give him a taste in september but i I, it just doesn't feel like the tigers would do that um i don't even know for sure if the tigers really are are kind of key on bringing him up next year (laughs) i really don't know um, they, you know, they're, the Tigers don't seem to have much in the way of plans. There's a lot of like, well, we'll see kind of how things play out and then decide as we go, which, you know, makes sense to some degree because baseball is very unpredictable, but it also makes it kind of hard to time, time moves and time, you know, decision-making. So 
I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it's really hard to imagine imagine seeing Mize this year. Um, go, you know, go to Toledo. Go watch him there. Or Erie, prior to that. Um, MGO Lions kind of wanted to know about the minor league systems um, and kind of wanted to break down how many minor league teams there are for the Tigers and different competition level. Um, I mean... You know, it's basically the international league. Here, let, let me let me bring this up, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll take this all up. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, you've got the international league, which is the league that the Toledo Mudhens play in, um, and that's the the AAA affiliate. Um, at the AA level, you got the Erie Seawolves, who play in the Eastern League. Um, there's also the Southern League and the Texas League. Um, so there's three different leagues. So the Tigers aren't playing everybody every other affiliate from every other team. Um, there is some crossover sometimes, but, you know, basically it's, it's you know, there's 30 major league teams. You basically have got 10 teams with their prospects in each of those three leagues, although it doesn't, it, it shakes out a little rougher than that. Um, in the Ameri- in the AAA level, it's the International League where the Mudhens are. Then there's the Pacific Coast League and the Mexican League. Um, Class A Advanced is basically A-ball, but typically for older players who already have a good deal of pro experience but haven't graduated yet. And the Tigers um, have the Lakeland Flying Tigers playing out of Lakeland, out of their main complex down in Florida, and that's the Florida State League. There's also the Carolina and the California Leagues at the Class A Advanced level. And then the full-season Class A Leagues, um, there's the Midwest League and the South Atlantic League, and the West Michigan Whitecaps play in the Midwest League. Um, at that level, there's only two two leagues because there's also short-season ball. Um, there's the New York Penn League where the Connecticut Tigers play, and then you start getting down into rookie ball below that, where you've got like um, the Gulf Coast, Gulf Coast League, where the Tigers have Gulf Coast Tigers East and West, um, and that pretty much wraps it up. There's you know Dominican ball. There's I don't even know if there's Venezuelan ball. Association, which is unaffiliated. Yep. Yeah. Which so, is where my team plays. Oh yeah, yeah. Not the team I own, but Winnipeg does have a team in the American Association there back-to-back championship team, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Oh, nice. Is that the Canadian American Association of Professional Baseball? It is. The cat, the... Yeah. It's, yeah, just the American <laughs> Association. Yeah, we get to see exciting things like the Chicago Dogs. And oh, yeah. And just renamed last season, and I, I live for that name. Um, yeah, and independent leagues, like yeah, if you're a... If you're a baseball hipster on the go, like um, a lot of the independent league teams have like some really fun gear. Like they get a little bit more creative um, sometimes. Although I have to give a shout out to the Erie Seawolves for the you know the pinata um, themed jerseys and hats that were debuted today. Um, You can find those on our site. Yeah, stuff is amazing. Lansing lug nuts have my favorite one, which is the Lansing logos, which is literally just an insane looking bird. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a super fun concept and kind of like brings the the you know Latin American flair into it a little bit more, um, which is great considering that I don't know what forty five percent of players are, you know, Spanish speaking at least something, like, so. that. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other independent leagues, there's a whole bunch of them. I mean, there's the Frontier League and the Picos League, which maybe are the two the most famous ones. Um, the other league that's that's um, full time professional that we didn't mention is the Arizona Fall League, and that it's just kind of like a, a a league where, you know, a lot of times it's guys who need more work, um, who are injured during the season and they play in the fall, um, out in Arizona, as you might imagine. And, um, and it's kind of like class A advanced, double A, um, some triple A guys. So it's kind of a mix there. Daz Cameron, um, was out there and Jake Rogers as well this past, um, this past fall. So, I mean, that's kind of like the rundown of the leagues. 
Um, let's see. I think there was one more question on there. Do you have any, anything else on Twitter? No, man, that was my mind with that breakdown oh right now um there's also i don't know uh, some of these yeah we just kind of already touched on some of this stuff can you clarify how the players are paid if they're optioned to the minors Ooh. you oh i know the answer to that yeah you're you only make the amount of the major league minimum salary for the amount of time you play in the majors yeah so by day they break it down and you make that percentage of that amount. Otherwise, you're getting paid the same amount you would make in the minors. Yeah, like there's the full salaries, but they break them all down like that. And as soon as you go down, yeah, you're, you're dropped to the much lower pay scale. Which is bonkers because you might actually make more for like a week or two in the majors than you would make for an entire season in the minors. Because I believe, yeah. and my numbers won't be 100% here, but minor league minimum is 556,000 I think or something along those lines 560 yeah at AAA like I think most guys are making you know like 30,000 to to 40 45 some of the top guys um and then there's guys who were major leaguers who've signed minor league deals and sometimes those terms are are totally different uh but yeah I mean it's like a tenth at most you know it's, it's definitely almost always less than a tenth of what the major leagues pay so, yeah, so it's a, it's a big cut. Um, like guys, you know, guys really like picking up that extra money. Um, one of the things that's kind of been bandied about as far as the rules changes is to not expand the rosters to 40 in September. Um, and, you know, like on the one hand, it doesn't matter that much because sometimes teams will just kind of like bring up random guys who don't end up playing. But the nice thing about that was for a lot of those guys, it was sort of a reward for the end of the season. You know, they played a long year. If they did well in advance, you know, you, you call them up to the major league team. And even if they only, you know, get two at bats or something like that. They're getting paid the major league level. So, you know, that, that really helps a lot of guys out. Um, so I don't know. We'll have to see kind of how that, that part of it plays out with some of the rule changes that are coming up. On the other hand, adding a 26 man means that there's another guy making at least minor league minimum or major league minimum. So, you know, it kind of balances out. Um, Word Van Gogh kind of wanted to know if there's any genetic research being done by teams or MLB itself to find common traits in successful major league players. Um, no, not really. No, I mean, honestly, like baseball is, is coming on with the technology, but really nobody is, is, is that far into that kind of thing. Like a lot of teams have just started kind of like pairing with, um, you know, like medical institutes, like, um, you know, the Tigers are working with U of M sports medicine, um, doing a lot of research, but that's, but that's like at the physical level. Um, no, no one has gone full like Gattaca, if you're familiar with that film (laughs) and, uh, yeah, there you go. And, you know, and tried to, like, pair out, like, you know, like, I just imagine, like, running these tests on, like, 15-year-old kids and being like, no, you're never going to make it. Get out. Yeah. Yeah, you just, you lack the gene. Yeah, you don't have, yeah, exactly. You don't have the trout gene on the trout marker and on this genome. These alleles are all wrong, bro. Um, yeah, nobody, nobody's even close to that stuff. Um, you know, there, there's still plenty of work being done on uh, performance-enhancing drugs. They haven't really moved on to, like, full-on, like, genetic <laughs> examinations or programming of any sort yet. As far as we know, I mean, I don't know. If you got a novel idea, I mean, do it up. We don't know what goes on behind the picture. That's right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that kind of that wraps that up. Um, I was just going to look into see... Oh, look, Twitter's back for me, so let me just look real quick and see if I had... Any dagger level questions that were good? Um, the, yeah. How's the uh, knitting coming along? I stopped. Oh, okay. 
Oh, all right. I had to count rows and stuff, and I didn't want to be super out of focus. <laughs> it's because the problem is, and here I'm, ma- I'm making a cardigan, so I'm building the neckline right now, which means I have to do like 14 sets of four rows. Ooh. So it's just oh, it's the same thing over and over and over again to build up size. Yeah. And it's a pain. Yeah, that doesn't sound like an easy, simple project, but at least you can kind of like do it and watch something else, right? You kind of get into yeah, a groove. Yeah, once you kind of get the rhythm for what the pattern is, you can do it without really thinking too much. Nah, you know, Twitter is just borked for me. It's just refresh, refresh, refresh. So, um, oh wait, no, wait, there we go. Wait, <laughs> Let's see if there's any, any questions. Oh, I did like that um, Hanley Ramirez was caught um, jamming out to Jesse's girl. Um, by Rick Springfield earlier today. That was a, that was an exciting moment. I have a I have a thing about that song in that I used to love it, and then I realized how creepy it is. It is pretty creepy, yeah. Like if you listen to the lyrics, he never names her, and like yeah, she's Jesse's girl. She's just like an object that belongs to Jesse, and all of Rick Springfield wants is her body. Yeah, you know, and what's weird about that? Well, I mean, there's a lot that's weird about it, but. I think, you know, like, when when guys have a friend who has a really, you know, attractive girlfriend that they, you know, kind of can't keep their eyes off, that that's almost like, it, I th- there's something about that lyric that makes sense to me, because that is kind of how you have to kind of think about it. Um, and it wasn't until I got into my late 20s and, like, matured a little bit where it was like, no, you know, I can call her by her first name and, you know, like, actually talk to her like she's a person and not, you know, that's <laughs> like... You don't have to, like, keep so hands-off, but there's, like, that weird jealousy that young guys have, and you just don't want to, you don't want to even, like, poke the bear on that, and, yeah, I don't know. But, yes, it is kind of a creepy song. respond to being treated like humans. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been, you know, I've been surprised all along, like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Women, as it turns out, it's almost like you guys are, like, humans and, like, fun to talk to sometimes and stuff. It's weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> you have been misled, my friend. It's all a trap, isn't it? One of y'all's trying to cage me up and take my money. <laughs> They're going to be sadly disappointed, though. <laughs> well, <yeah>. <laughs> Married for wealth is never a way to do things anymore. No, no, definitely That's not. my grandma's life advice to me. She always said, don't marry for love, marry for money. <laughs> That's great. I, you know, that's, that's, you know, honestly, that's, that's not bad advice for, for women in general, maybe less so now. Cause it's, you know, it's becoming to the point where you can, you know, you, you can make our own you, money. Exactly. Like there's less obstacles, you know, there's still plenty of obstacles, but it's, you know, you, you don't have to think about that. I could appreciate, um, I could appreciate girls in the twenties, you know, the, the flappers all just being like, no, you got to find that dude who's, you know, got some dough so you can, you know, if it doesn't work out, then you're set and it's fine. Everybody yeah. goes their own way. Marry yourself a nice Tiger Woods and cash in, you know, $250 million because he slept with some other people. <laughs> oh, now I've got, a new, I've got a new career path. Yeah, what a great deal. Um, now, you know, I don't really see any other questions. This is all just a stall tac- tactic, folks. This wasn't a uh, planned portion of the show. <laughs> yeah, all right. I don't really see any other questions we need to hit. So segues are usually much better planned than this. Oh, we're, we're genius segwayers, for sure. Um so, like, the last thing I wanted to kind of hit on is that we're getting very close to your YouTube channel um, just, just kind of blowing up. Yeah, it's it's available. Um, can you tell us kind of where we're at? Uh, episode 1 came out yesterday. By yeah. what the This will be out Wednesday. Came out on Tuesday. Um, so it was on the real basic basics, like what is 
the R stand for in a box score? What are hits? What are hit by pitches? How do those get reflected? What are strikes? What are walks? Um, the real basic basics. Yeah. Uh, and then a Thursday's episode is just going to be on, again, super basic stuff like which what divisions are there? What are the different leagues? And so... But we're going to start filtering in some more interesting stuff. I'm posting polls every week as to what episodes people want me to film. Um, so next week, we're going to do ones on um, spring training and free agent contracts. And then I'm going to start doing the team history ones. So hopefully one a week or one every two weeks of team histories. Um, they're like 10-minute compressed history of each team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, so the first one went up today, and I think uh, has because I, of course it went up. I think about two and a half seconds before the Mike Trout news. <laughs> it got swamped <laughs> by that. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you done one, or have you thought about doing like a dead ball era kind of one where you kind of look into all that and you know stuff like that, like the historical well, eras and yeah. I, I was thinking about that today in the shower bowl thing. Like, <laughs> how can I break down the entire history of yeah. baseball in these? And I think I'd have to go, like, by the decade. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to go full Ken Burns on it or anything like that. Like, I discussed <laughs> yeah. some, like, Cap Anson-level history in um, the spring training one. Um, and kind of, like, the history of spring training itself very briefly. And that sort of, you know, tickles my fancy a lot. I love baseball history. Um, so, yes, there will be more than just team histories. But I, I might pick specific topics as opposed to eras. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole project just sounds awesome. And, you know, I, you know, I think, like, maybe at the beginning, you know, like, maybe people who are, you know, obsessive, longtime baseball fans, you know, will still find it, you know, interesting to go back. You know, there's just a lot of questions, like, people a lot of times don't you know, don't think about until they've, you know, been a fan a long time. And then you realize, like, you don't know what this one thing is and don't, don't want to ask. Um, and especially for people who are kind of coming to the game, you know, coming to the game new, um, this is going to be a hell of a primer um, and all kinds of fun stuff episodes planned kind of for everybody from some of the ones um, we've already discussed so yeah i'm pretty stoked to see all this go thank you i've got um the two this week and then i've got four more in the can and my goal is to do because uh, uh, my studio quote-unquote studio is is at my country place my mom's house in the country because i have a big office there um where i just have room that i don't have anywhere else um, so I try to do like four episodes every time I'm out there so that I have at least two weeks worth of content and one go. Yeah. Love it. It's a lot of work though. Like, yeah, it's a lot of planning. Yeah. For them, I would imagine. Yeah. And then you got to well, set it up. I, think I, went in, I went into my first two episodes and they'll be a bit shakier than the others. Cause I'm just like, here's an idea. I will sit down and film it. And no, so, <laughs> the next ones are very like where I actually have like you know cards where I have the reference material with me so that I can actually give you the right numbers and and stuff like that. So they'll definitely improve as I go and I get more relaxed in front of the camera too. It's weird talking to a camera um, and not being able to see anything. So. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's hard to get used to that. Yeah, even podcasting um, yeah it took a little time to just like. Get... I mean, it's a phone call in a certain sense, um, but sometimes with multiple people and yeah, like, you know, just kind of thinking how to plan those, those things out. Um, yeah, it just has a whole nother level when it's video involved, but, um, yeah, your what is the name of your YouTube channel? Is it Ashley McLennan or is it no, Feed for you at home? Okay. Yeah. Which is also Ashley's Twitter handle. Yeah. I decided to make use of the Twitter handle. Um, so I figured I may as well, if, if Twitter will not let me have my own name, 
um, I might as well have a name that actually means something because it was originally the name of my blog. Um, and then obviously I started writing for real websites, so, um, I don't use it for my blog anymore, so I figured I would transition it, um, but I've just got to figure out how to redirect my, my .com to go over there too, but my pinned tweet right now is the current episode, and, um, then there'll be new episodes posted every Tuesday and Thursday. Right on. So, subscribe. Yep, subscribe and keep an eye out for those. Um, if you have it over to the site, there's um, there's been a lot of content the last couple of years or the last couple of days. There's a lot of stories up. Um, I kind of previewed Jacoby Jones um, and kind of how he is going to try to take the Cameron Maven path. Um, Robert Jackie, our managing editor, um, is previewing every team in the league um, for the season. And that series continues um, continues to be ongoing. And then, let's see, what was the other big one I was really in love with? Oh, it was um, Adam Dubbin um, took a really long like video look at Jake Rogers and some of the swing changes he's been trying to make that we're not seeing a whole lot of <laughs> evidence for changes. Um, but, uh, but that was a really interesting article to, to kind of watch him walk through all that. So there's a lot of good stuff up on the page. Um, check that all out. Follow Ashley at 90 Feet From Home on Twitter and on YouTube. You can follow me at Fiscadoro74. Um, and if you're so inclined, please head over to our Patreon, um, patreon.com backslash bless you boys. And you can become a subscriber over there, um, for a very small fee. And we will probably throw some freebies out there, um, during the season, some extras you won't see on the site. Um, but more than anything, it just, um, kind of helps us kind of support some of our staff members, um, on our woefully limited budget. And you'll probably also see us, um, hocking some gear and jerseys out on the site as well. Pretty sick, just for the heck of it. Yeah. Give that a try. Yeah, we're so poor, you guys. Damn it, SB Nation. Um, okay, yep, that's going to that's gonna wrap it up. This has been a pretty long episode, so we will call it a night. Ashley, thanks for everything. Have a good night. <laughs> Have a good night. So, yeah, bye-bye.